0: Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasnow. What you are about to hear is one of seven keynote lessons from our 2022 Commune Wellness Summit, which featured more than 30 world-renowned teachers sharing their insights on a wide range of wellness topics. Now, my hope is that by the end of this extended lesson, you will have discovered at least one aspect of your life that you feel motivated to support with more love, more attention and more balance. Now that insight will be different for each person or even each time that you listen. And this is one facet of why I called this company Commune, because exposure to a multitude of ideas, you could say a biodiversity of ideas, is how we develop individually and thus as a collective. Now, each of these teachers has a full-length course available on Commune. So if you're inspired to go deeper, I highly encourage you to sign up for a free 14-day trial of Commune membership at onecommune.com trial. You will find more than a 100 courses on personal development, health, yoga, meditation, and social impact, as well as the full seven-day wellness summit. So without further delay, here's the third lesson from our 2022 Commune Wellness Summit, titled Healthy Digestion. Welcome to this lesson on healing your digestion. The axiom, you are what you eat, isn't quite accurate. More precisely, you are what you digest. We have plenty of content on Commune about the various whole foods, nutrients, and micronutrients you might want to consider consuming for optimal health. That's truly an endless topic. Today's lesson is more specifically about how you should eat for optimal digestion, and how to tell if your body is responding well to what you're eating. If you are eating healthy food, but it isn't getting absorbed well, well, what's the point? So let's dive into how to improve and assess this fundamentally important process of being human. First up, Dr. Mark Hyman, practicing family physician 12-time number one New York Times bestselling author and leading voice in the functional medicine movement. In this lesson, Mark will be discussing not only how your gut microbiome helps you digest food, but also how the gut can become unbalanced and specific tests your doctor can administer to assess digestive function. Now, so often we go to our doctor with a problem And if your basic blood work comes back fine, they send you home without any real answers. Functional medicine testing, however, aims to dig much deeper all the way down until you uncover the root cause of the problem. Even if you don't have access to a functional medicine clinic, you can ask your doctor about the tests Dr. Hyman mentions and can work together with your doctor to bring yourself into optimal health. Here's Dr. Mark Hyman on how trillions of bacteria help you digest your food.
1: Now, if you have symptoms that you're experiencing and you have not found a reason, then you need to keep digging and finding a doctor that will do that with you can be really important. So today is all about gut and testing your poop. It is the most important thing in your body. We are now finally catching up with functional medicine in the rest of the medical world, understanding how the gut and the microbiome is central to almost all disease. Now in functional medicine, the gut is the center for your health. It can also be a hidden source for many, many health problems. The whole world of the microbiome is just blowing up. We now know that there are 10 times as many bacterial cells in you as your own cells. There's a hundred times as much bacterial DNA in you as your own DNA, which means you're only about 1% human. You might have 20,000 genes, but you might have two or three million bacterial genes. Now imbalances in the gut flora have been linked to everything from heart disease, to cancer, to obesity, to autism, to ADD, to depression, to autoimmune diseases, to asthma, allergies, and so much more. It is also a big cause of inflammation, and inflammation is the root cause of so many chronic diseases. If there's no obvious source for the inflammation, then you always need to think of the gut, an imbalance in the gut bacteria. We call this dysbiosis. Now, over the last hundred years, with the industrialization of our food supply, our diet has changed so dramatically. This is a highly processed diet full of lots of sugar, lots of processed fats, low fiber, and it has substantially altered our gut bacteria. And this has contributed to the epidemic of all sorts of chronic diseases we have talked about, even obesity and what I call diabetes. See, the food we eat not only feeds our fat cells, but also determines what the inner garden we are growing is in our guts because they're eating what you're eating. The bugs in your gut are actually eating the same thing you're eating. If you're feeding them bad stuff, they're gonna create bad bugs. This garden is filled with bugs that determine more about your health and your emotional and mental well-being than you ever imagined. See, getting your gut bacteria healthy is one of the most important things that you can do to get and stay healthy. So if your bacteria are sick, so are you. I actually had a monk in a, <laughs> in a monastery. I gave a lecture on the gut flora, and uh, he actually asked me the same question. He says, oh, if your gut bacteria are sick, are you sick? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, your gut wall houses 60% of the cells the make up your immune system. Now, in the lining of your gut is most of your immune system. 60% of your immune system lives right under the one cell layer that is your gut. It's amazing. Now, you might not attribute digestive problems with allergies and arthritis and autoimmune disease, even other things like acne, irritable bowel, chronic fatigue, mood disorders, autism, dementia, cancer. All these are actually linked to the gut. They seem unrelated, but they can be linked back to the gut. Now, if you want to fix your health, in functional medicine, we often start with the gut. See, gut health literally affects everything in your body. Consider the important jobs your gut does every single day, right? It breaks down food. It absorbs nutrients. It keeps out toxins. It produces nutrients. It regulates your immune system. And that's a lot of work. So, for optimal immunity, for detoxification, for nourishment, for almost everything that matters in your body, your gut has to work seamlessly. Even in a perfect world, our gut has a hard time keeping things balanced. But in our world, there are so many things that are gut busters, things that knock our digestive system way off balance. And those include primarily our diet, right? Junk food, starch and sugar, medication overuse, things like acid blockers, antibiotics, things like Advil and Aleve and aspirin, all these things damage our gut's hormones, uh, and gut infections there are often true infections maybe a parasite or maybe there's some balances in the flora also food allergies food sensitivities you can have bad bugs growing or yeast growing in the gut in places that shouldn't be environmental toxins also alter our gut stress alters our gut we have something called the second brain which is our enteric or gut nervous system we might have inadequate enzymes to break down our food there's all sorts of things that can happen that lead to gut dysfunction and it's so common so how do you know if you have one of these issues? How do you know if you have gut issues? You might not have any symptoms. You need to test. If you have blatant gut symptoms, okay, you know, like diarrhea, constipation, bloating, gas, indigestion, heartburn, foul-smelling stools, then you probably know, oh, I have a gut problem. Um, But having an abnormal gut function can drastically reduce a person's quality of life. So it's really important to see a functional medicine doctor who is willing to dive deep with you and find the answers that you need and deserve. You know, a lot can also be done by changing your diet and using the right supplements, which I've written about in my blog. So often you can start on your own without a doctor, but if things don't get better and you have a chronic illness or gut symptoms, it's really important to go see someone who knows what they're doing. All right, let's talk about what we have to do in these instances. How do we find out what's the driving factor behind these gut symptoms? First up is the infamous stool test. That's right, we examine your poop. And not like a normal poop test, you go to the doctor to check your blood or if you have a parasite. We do an in-depth stool analysis. Why would a doctor ever want to look at your poop? Well, one of the reasons is they're looking to see if there's an imbalance in your gut microbiome. Now, this is the collection of microorganisms that live there in your digestive tract. And given that the average 10-year-old has had around 10 rounds of antibiotics, so it's reasonable to say that over a prescription of antibiotics in this country is a leading cause of imbalances in the gut flora. Antibiotics are one of the most important advances in medicine, for sure. However, they should only be prescribed when really necessary. Unfortunately, that's not what happens in the US. More than 50% of antibiotics are prescribed for acute colds or respiratory infections that are totally unnecessary. So now I wanna go through the kind of stool tests we do in functional medicine. This is one of my favorite tests in addition to the organic acids, because it tells you so much of what's going on in your gut. Uh, First of all, we look at this first page, which looks at, do you have an infection like a parasite? Is there inflammation in your gut? Do you have insufficiency of enzymes? What is the balance of flora in your gut? Are you having bad bugs in there and not enough of the good bugs? You also wanna look at the diversity of bugs. Do you have a whole ecosystem here, like a rainforest, or is it just like a few bugs, which are very susceptible to causing problems? We can tell a lot indirectly from this test, which shows, for example, absorption. Are you having enough pancreatic enzyme function? Are you malabsorbing fat, meaning Your gut's not absorbing your nutrients well. Are there markers of inflammation there that indicate low-grade colitis, or maybe just low-grade inflammation that can cause problems? And what are the short-chain fats? These are super important. These fats actually are produced by bacteria, and if they're the good bacteria, they produce good short-chain fats that are healing and reparative and the fuel for the gut. If they produce bad bugs, they can create all kinds of problems. In fact, one of these markers, we see very high in autism. And guess what? same marker, that compound called propionic acid, is what's used to preserve wheat flour in this country. And I wonder why we're seeing such a high rate of autism and also neurodevelopmental diseases, ADD. Could it be that maybe it's from the preservative in the wheat? Who knows? We also look at all the different bacteria. We look at, there's hundreds and hundreds. We just look at a few of the main categories of bacteria and see how it's going on. We look at also... The culture, what's growing, what's not growing, is there yeast in there, are there parasites? It's a really comprehensive test. It's not something you can get just by going to a regular doctor and looking at your poop and seeing if there's blood uh, and, and so on. Some of these you can actually get at a regular lab, like pancreatic elastase, which looks at enzyme function. Are you adequately digesting your food? You can also get calprotectin, which measures inflammation in the gut. Those are very helpful. And you can also do a stool culture, but often they'll miss stuff. So stool samples can tell you not only if we have an imbalance in our gut bugs, but they also tell us about inflammation. In addition to the stool test, using the dysbiosis part of the organic acid test also is very helpful because you can look at whether or not there are byproducts of bacterial metabolites or yeast metabolites that get absorbed into the body and actually can tell you whether you're having high levels of these abnormal bacteria like bacterial overgrowth, and it's super, super helpful. So I use the organic acid test to see these weird chemicals that are coming from the gut and actually can adjust my treatment based on these. So that's really how this works. So the next tests we're gonna to go to are related to the gut, but also to your immune system. You see, what your gut does is filter out the food and bacteria. So it's got a barrier in there, like a kind of cells that are stick together like Legos. And when there's damage to the gut, it's only one cell thick then food and bacterial stuff can leak into your bloodstream. And guess what? 60% of your immune system is right underneath that one cell layer, which is about the size of a tennis court. And so if that breaks down, then food particles get in, and the body goes, what's that? That's not meat. It should be broken down into amino acids and fatty acids and and different sugars that are uh, sort of desensitized. They're not things that are going to trigger an immune response because they're what your body normally uses to run itself. But if it's uh, corn and it's got its corn proteins, or if it's beef and it's got its beef proteins, or dairy and it's got its dairy proteins that get in, then you get into real problems. So food sensitivities, and, and they're not true allergies, or real food allergies can be a hidden source of chronic inflammation and actually are contributing to a lot of symptoms. Because the gut's damaged, you eat these foods, you get inflammation, and it's a vicious cycle. So You think food allergy, and you probably think of the worst, right? You think of a kid having an anaphylactic shock after eating peanuts. No doubt that's a severe food allergy, and it's scary, but it's also pretty rare. A way more common food reaction is an adult with a low-grade food sensitivity. For example, gluten. And they never really pinpoint the misery because it may not be immediate. It may be a day later. It's not like you get a rash or can't breathe right away. It may not be even celiac. It may be something called non celiac gluten sensitivity, which is super common, bloating, constipation, weight gain, brain fog, or more serious issues. And exposure is often frequent. You eat it three times a day, so you don't even know. It's just sort of like you feel crappy all the time. So the connection kind of gets murky. Over the years, these hidden food sensitivities take a real toll on your immune system. The result of an overworked immune system is everything from weight gain, to irritable bowel, to arthritis, to autoimmune disease. Unchecked autoimmune disease means the gut is in a constant state of inflammation. It's a breeding ground for all sorts of illnesses, and you can get like the asthma, the arthritis, the diabetes, all those related to that. So to check to see if you have an allergy or gluten sensitivity to wheat or gluten, you have to ask your doctor to run some tests. But remember, gluten sensitivity exists all the way on a continuum from mild sensitivity all the way to full-blown celiac disease, and most doctors Say, if you don't have celiac disease, it's not a problem. That's not true. I recommend that anyone with any level of antibodies or autoimmune reaction to gluten do a six weeks, 100% gluten elimination. Stopping it and reintroducing it is the only way to really know how gluten affects you. And remember, these are not food allergies. You're not gonna die from an allergic reaction, but they are sensitivities and they can create real ill health for you. So some of these foods that aren't wheat may be an issue, like dairy or corn or soy, they're not gluten, but your body tends to react. And when you have a leaky gut, you tend to react to everything. So um, people often react to dairy. What does that mean? It means that someone who's sensitive to wheat or gluten, then their body may also react when they consume these foods because their body confuses it with gluten or maybe they're common allergens or foods which people become sensitive to. These are the common foods. In this case, you just have to avoid more than just wheat and gluten, you have to start to avoid all these foods for a period of time. And then when you can heal your gut, you'll be okay. So just to recap, wheat is not the only thing that you can react to. Many people are sensitive to dairy or other foods that may be healthy for some, but not for you. So these are things like lemons or bell peppers or vinegar, nightshades, they're really hard to pinpoint, but sometimes testing can help, also elimination diets can be really helpful. And that's because these reactions are caused by a delayed response. So if you eat the food today, you might not notice a headache till the next day or brain fog till the next day. So what do you do? Well, you have a few options. One is trial and error. You can do an elimination diet, which is actually probably the best thing to do. a really a more rigorous elimination diet and remove all the potential triggers and then slowly, one by one, add them back in and see how you feel. So if you have a lot of reactions to food, it's not the food problem, it's a gut problem. That's why we're talking about it here. To choose the best test for you, then you have to seek the help of a functional medicine doctor. They will have the experience and knowledge to decide whether a stool test or an organic acid test or a food sensitivity test is the best option for you. You see, your gut is a diverse ecosystem. Gut health is the foundation of treating chronic disease and gut health is the foundation of functional medicine and your overall health. You see, once you've found the issues that are causing your symptoms, functional medicine practitioners will often bring you through the five R program. The first is to remove and get rid of bacterial overgrowth, yeast overgrowth, food sensitivities, blatant infections like parasites. Replace is the next R. We want to replace digestive enzymes that are not adequate or prebiotics that can help fertilize the healthy bugs. We want to re-inoculate, that's the next R. We, we put good bacteria in, we eat lots of prebiotic foods, we eat actually fermented foods, so lots of th- things that we can do to help restore our gut flora. And the last is repair, repair the gut lining because our gut lining can become leaky. And that can be caused by chronic inflammation, imbalances in the bugs in our gut, eating the wrong foods. And we need zinc and glutamine and things like fish oil and other nutrients to help repair the gut lining and fix the leaky gut. And lastly, we need to rebalance because we have a whole nervous system in our gut. It's called the second brain. And stress actually causes a leaky gut. So learning stress management is so key. It's holding our stress in our gut that can be the root cause of a lot of issues. So you have to strengthen your parasympathetic nervous system that's the relaxation part of your nervous system and you do that by things like meditation and yoga and regular exercise breath work sleep all important to restoring your gut health now if you're watching this and you have digestive symptoms or if you think your gut is playing a role in chronic inflammation that you have and you haven't been able to exactly pinpoint what's going on I urge you to find a good functional medicine doctor that can help you find the problem. This is the foundation of functional medicine, so you don't have to live with these symptoms forever. They're fixable. If you don't have a functional medicine doctor, you at least need to find someone who's willing to work with you and collaborate, and they're gonna be able to discuss with you the options, what to do, what tests are most appropriate for you. You, after all, are not a lab number. You're not a one-size-fits-all medical algorithm. You are definitely not a disease or a diagnosis. You have a unique biochemical makeup that needs to be viewed and treated
0: as an individual. That was a great primer on the gut microbiome, how we can tell if it's healthy and how we can get started on taking care of all those friendly gut bugs that we depend on. Mark's 10-day course in commune membership is called Hacking Your Healthcare, and it covers not only the digestive system, but also heart health, detoxification, hormones, inflammation, and metabolism. Whatever your situation, Dr. Hyman explains how you can leverage your own doctor to harness the power of functional medicine and tackle the root causes of chronic disease. Learn which tests to ask for, how to ask for them, and how to understand the results. Now, in this next lesson, Dr. Mary Pardee will be teaching us about the most obvious end product of the digestive process, poop. Poop size, color, smell, and texture can offer valuable information about your health. Clay-colored poop, for example, might suggest an issue with your gallbladder, and rabbit pellet poops could signal that you're constipated. You'll leave today's lesson with all the facts you need to know to make sure your number two ranks number one. I introduce you to Dr. Mary Pardee.
2: How do you know if you have healthy digestion and how do you know if you have healthy poop? These are the questions that I know you want the answer to. So I'm going to give you all the facts that you need to know to make sure that your number twos rank number one. So let's get into this. What the heck should your poop look like? Let's start off with size. Your poop should actually be the size from the crease of your wrist to the crease of your elbow. This is about how long the descending colon is, so the last part of the colon before poop goes into the toilet. So if your poops are tiny, like little two-inch baby poops, then you're either constipated or you're not eating enough food in general. Undereating is a big cause of constipation and just small poops. Let's talk about shape. Ideally, your poop is S-shaped, kind of like a snake in the toilet bowl. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Dr. Mary, this is a little weird, and you're not wrong, but there's a reason behind this S-shaped poop. Your sigmoid colon, which is right before the rectum, is an S-shape itself. So when your stool is well-formed, you can actually see the shape of the sigmoid colon in your poop. What about color? What should the color be? Your poop gets this brown color from the bile that's released from the gallbladder. Your red blood cells die every 90 days. And when they die, your body breaks down the red blood cells and makes them into bilirubin. So bilirubin is a byproduct of the breakdown of your red blood cells. Now this bilirubin is then excreted through the gallbladder and into the poop, making it brown. So the brownness of your poop is actually because of the red blood cells that your body had to go in, chop up, break down into bilirubin, which is a brown pigment. But brown is actually not the only normal color for your poop. The food that you eat can change the color of your poop as well, and it's totally normal. So let's say for example you eat a lot of beets, then the plant pigment betalin in the beets can make your stools red. And if you eat a lot of sweet potatoes or carrots, the beta carotene in these foods can stain your poop an orangey color. Same thing if you load up on greens or green juices, your poops might take on that green monster appearance. Now, black stools are typically not normal and you should talk to your doctor about this unless, unless you take a bunch of activated charcoal as a supplement. Activated charcoal can definitely make your poops black. Black poops are possible, but what about white poops? These are possible too. If you have pale colored poops, like say like what white clay looks like, then you might have something going on with your gallbladder. Remember that your gallbladder should be putting out bile that has that bilirubin in it to make it brown. And without the bilirubin present, we might be wondering maybe your gallbladder has something going on. Yellow stools can be an issue as well. When there's fat in the stool, it means that your body isn't absorbing and digesting it for some reason. You also might notice like a film of grease on the toilet or shiny poops because they have a fat coating. If this is the case, then you need to see your doctor. They may be looking at why your body isn't able to break down the fats. Maybe you're not producing enough digestive enzymes or the gallbladder isn't releasing the bile it needs to break down the fats as well. If your poop is constantly a different color than the normal brown and it's not related to the food that you're eating, then this is a definite reason to go talk to your doctor and figure out what's going on. So we know about color, we know about shape and length, but what about consistency? My favorite tool to use with patients is called the Bristol stool chart. This is the holy grail of poop consistency. We don't want our poops too soft or too firm, we want them just right. A number four on the Bristol stool chart is kind of like the best poop that you can ever have. It's smooth, well formed, and it's in one piece. Rabbit pellets mean that you're likely constipated, and when you have those soft blobs or like watery stools, then things are probably moving too quickly through your system. A good way to test your poop consistency is by the wipe. If you take a whole roll of toilet paper to clean your behind, then your stools are probably too soft. You should be able to take care of the job with one or two wipes, max. Pooping should be an eco-friendly process, remember that. But what about the smell? Well, I hate to break it to you, but your poops should not smell like roses. It's supposed to smell like poop. But what if your poop is borderline rancid, like really stinky? Foul-smelling stools that are greasy and float can indicate that something is up with your pancreas and you're not absorbing the fat as well for some reason. Ultra-stinky poops can also be a sign of bacterial infections. And you likely have other symptoms that are going on if that's the case as well, like diarrhea or bloating. Now, bear with me, I'm about to get graphic, if you haven't thought I've been graphic already. (laughs) Have you ever wiped and noticed that there's a mucus on the toilet paper? Mucus in the stool can be a sign of inflammation. Your body produces mucus in the GI tract to help protect the lining from damage. When there's inflammation present, your body responds by producing mucus. There's also the issue of having blood in the stools or blood on the toilet paper. Now this is never normal and you need to talk to your doctor about this one. Hemorrhoids or fissures, which are like little small cuts around the anus, can be the most common causes for blood in the stool or on the toilet paper. But there's also more serious conditions that your doctor needs to make sure aren't going on. So we know what we're looking for in a good poop, but let's talk about some of the myths around normal digestion. Myth number one is that passing gas all the time is normal. First, we have to differentiate between what's average, meaning it happens to a lot of people, and what's ideal or optimal. I would say that the average American experiences gas and bloating, but is it normal? Eh, Probably not. If you're passing gas frequently, meaning several times per day, then this is not normal, and you can do something about it. Frequent burping, loose stools, going a week without having a bowel movement, also not normal. On the other side, it's normal to pass gas once per day and to burp on occasion, especially if you're eating too quickly or consuming carbonated beverages. But it's when these symptoms become frequent that there might be an issue going on. One easy question to ask yourself to determine if it needs to be fixed is, is this symptom lowering your quality of life? Or in some cases, is it affecting the quality of life of your relationship? If the answer to either of these is yes, then we have to find a better solution and get your gut back on track. All right, moving on to myth number two. Undigested food in your stool is abnormal. The other day I had a patient tell me that she was not digesting her food because she had little pieces of lettuce that were floating. Now I've heard other integrative doctors say this before that you should have absolutely no undigested food in your stool. But guess what? This is totally normal. You see, it's actually normal to have some undigested vegetables in your stool. But if you have whole pieces of, like, say a mushroom, that means you're likely just not chewing your food, which is an issue. But small pieces of fibrous vegetables like lettuce or other leafy greens is totally normal, not something you have to worry about. If your toilet bowl looks like your salad bowl, then we need to figure out what's going on for sure. But it's normal to get little small pieces here and there. Myth number three is that you should be having a bowel movement after each meal. I would say that this is definitely ideal, but if you're having one full bowel movement every day and you feel like you've fully voided after it, then that's a win. So anywhere from one to three bowel movements per day is ideal. Most people will poop first thing in the morning because it's when cortisol, or our wake up, get up and go hormone is at its highest. Cortisol peaks in the morning to get us out of bed, but it also helps stimulate the gut to get things going, to get your bowels moving so that you have a good bowel movement when you wake up in the morning.
0: I know that in my intro, I said that I hope that your number two ranks number one, but I guess I should revise that to be a number four according to the Bristol stool chart. As we just learned, there's a treasure trove of information in your toilet bowl if you have the courage to take an extra moment to look. Now, poop is just one of the many topics Dr. Mary discusses in her full course, aptly named Gut Health in Commune Membership. That 10-day program covers nutrition, hormones, pre- and postbiotics, and so much more, including information on specific chronic conditions such as IBS, SIBO, reflux, and leaky gut. The next section is also brought to you by a doctor, but with a different emphasis. Dr. Pedram Shojai studied as a Taoist monk and is now a doctor of oriental medicine and qigong master. He'll be giving us tools to disrupt the complacent and automatic way that we treat food consumption. This is a reminder to eat with all your senses, savor what's on your plate, and make mealtime sacred and fulfilling. Here's Pedro.
3: How are you going about this thing called eating? And how can you bring conscious awareness to it? When I was a monk, it was absolutely critical to go to this very quiet place and have this gratitude attitude around food that would allow you to just sit there and be reverent towards your food. Uh, And man, you know, it was difficult at first. And now I understand how important it is because look, you've been eating since day one right? Even when you're suckling on milk, it became a habit. And so habits, these things that you do, those are the places that you don't even look anymore because like, whatever, I'm just eating. No, that's where you're losing your consciousness, your awareness, and you're losing your connection with time because you're losing your connection with now, right? What's happening now? Let's talk about food, right? First of all, I mean, there's Volumes of work being done on supply chain, quality of food, organics and all that. That's not what we're talking about here. Obviously, eat clean, eat right, eat at least 50% vegetables per meal. That's all Dr. Pedram will talk about. Let's talk about the way you're eating your food here, right? What are you ordering and why? What are you feeding? You want to be feeding the healthy microbes in your gut first and foremost with fiber lots of vegetables, phytonutrients, things that go in, get broken down, and turn into butyrate, short-chain fatty acids, and energy for the microbes that then help support your health, right? So the microbiome needs to eat so that you can eat. Now, that said, we have the supply chain issues with nasty food, eat as clean as you can. I know a lot of you don't have access to that. Just go with more vegetables and try to stay away from hormone-fed Uh, unnaturally raised uh, animal products. That stuff is toxic, it will hurt you, okay? Now, what does your food smell like? What's the temperature? How's the texture? Let's look at the colors, right? When have you stopped to apply your five senses to this thing called lunch that's arrived in front of you, right? What is it? These vegetables? Someone grew these vegetables and cut them for you. Thank you for giving your life so that I can continue mine. Is it an animal? Wow, that's heavy, right? Something gave its life so that you can continue yours, right? So, thank you. Reverence, right? These moments to stop and reflect and be present with what's happening here. There's all this life on this sacrificial altar that you are onboarding into your digestive system for your microbiome and for your cells to, to ingest and turn into energy so that you can live this thing called life? Why do you deserve it, right? What are you going to do with this energy? So it's, it's actually this, this really sacred moment that we've just completely short-circuited and we're just scarfing it down while talking about something that happened at the office and we've become completely separated from the profound reality that is life. I'm this organism that somehow ingests other organisms to stay alive and and stumble around in my thing called life, hopefully making the world a better place, but maybe not, right? And so this place, it's really uncomfortable, right? So I want you to just stop and not to like get down on yourself about like who you are in life, but think about who you are in life, where your life is going, what's in your life garden, what is this thing, this sacrificial altar on this plate, that's put in front of you. What is this going to feed in your life garden? And how are you going to take this energy? How are you going to deserve, deserve to take this energy and take it into all of these areas of your life to make the, the world you live in better for your family, your friends, your community, all of it, right? And so the, the layers of consciousness that have been kind of ejected from this process called eating is where your homecoming is going to be today. And it starts with the five senses, right? And this is your homework. I'm weaving your homework into this right here, right? Is as the food arrives, let's go through your five senses, right? Let's start with your environment. Listen, right? So your food's probably not making noise. Maybe it is, right? Uh, Maybe it's sizzling. But what does the room sound like? Let's just get some ambiance in the room. Let's get a tone of the, the environment that you're in. And then what does it smell like? What does it taste like? What's the temperature? What's the texture? Let's go through your five senses and really adjust for what's happening here in front of you. And then slowly and methodically, let's go back to something that's been lost to our species in in the modern world, which is chewing and appreciating. So let's slowly chew this food and taste it. Let's feel the texture as it's in our mouth. Let's get the aroma as we're ingesting this thing. And you know what? Today, you could make this a habit later, but today's homework is just for today. Let's not have idle conversation. And let's just enjoy the food, right? And if you're at some lunch that you gotta be at with people, um, there's a game you could play, which is bringing them back, right? And I'll do this all the time. Is, you know, people sit down the food shows up and people just start going without anything. And i are like, wow, look at those tomatoes. They look so beautiful, huh? You know, wow, you guys, this is really delicious. And just keep queuing and calling people back to this thing that's happening. And it changes the tone of the conversation. It brings everyone back. So if you're not in an environment where you can just go quiet and go completely zen, at least play this game. And then the next meal you have a chance. Try this, right? Try this and really work on it. And so your job today is to take this thing that we do all the time, mindlessly, and bring it back under the fold, under the realm of your conscious awareness. Breathe, chew, savor, look, listen, and just bring it all back and bring this time into this kind of sacred, reverent place where this meal is now something that's nurturing and fulfilling and serving you. And you'll spend probably the same amount of time eating lunch, but the way you feel afterwards, is going to be phenomenal. It's gonna be different, and your quality of time and your appreciation of time that day will shift as you go to this place of, of zero time, of no time, and then when you go back into the white water, you have this kind of this tranquility in this peace that you've established as kind of an anchor point in your day that you come back to so that you don't go crazy and you don't go into this place where you wake up and say oh god I don't I don't know what happened but today ended the more you practice this the more you take control of your time
0: okay so pedrum taught us to show reverence for our food to really break it down into small moments and to savor each of those moments cultivating a sense of gratitude, curiosity, and appreciation for all aspects of our food and the process of eating. If you're drawn to what Dr. Pedram Shojai was teaching, then you can take his 10-day commune course, The Art of Stopping Time, in which he offers you mindfulness techniques to reshape your relationship with time and your to-do list. And with that, We've reached the conclusion of this lesson. I hope you're coming away with a deeper understanding of your digestion and how to tell if you have room for improvement. Now, if you enjoyed hearing from today's doctors, we have a lot more integrative health and functional medicine courses in Commune membership. There's so much to learn about how to take care of your health. And once you know it, It's hard to unknow it. It's hard to continue the unhealthy habits that, in the long run, make you feel like crap. And our entire goal here at Commune is to help people feel fully alive, vibrant, and energized, and gut health is certainly key to that. So please, if you're interested in programs on topics such as gut health, sleep, hormone balancing, immunity, Ayurveda, and nutrition, head on over to the Health Pillar in Commune membership. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening to the third lesson from our seven-day Commune Wellness Summit titled Healthy Digestion. Now, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you are a regular listener, you have a sense for how much effort we put into this show's creation, and we really do our best to keep ads to a minimum. So if you're looking for a way to support our efforts, the best way is to subscribe to Commune. You'll access more than 100 courses featuring the world's top authors and thought leaders, as well as the full-length wellness summit. The membership version of this summit includes yoga, meditation, and breathwork classes paired with each daily lesson, so you can actually embody what you are learning. For 14 days of free commune membership, just visit onecommune.com trial. And of course, feel free to reach out to me directly anytime with suggestions and criticism of the constructive variety at Jeff K. At onecommune.com. Lastly, and not leastly, I would like to thank the folks that make this show possible week over week, including Jacob Laub, Megan Stone, Violet Augustine, Ruby Foster, Emma Frett, Silvana Alcala, and Ryan Tillotson. That's all from the Commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you.